And welcome everyone to our first FAMS radio after the start of the season as we review the Crimson Tide's dominating performance on Saturday night inside the friendly confines of Bryant-Denny Stadium. It was a domination for Alabama. They covered easily 56-7 to over the Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders. Uh, it was a great performance in all three phases, I felt like. Alabama held no quarter, and they played very, very well. And I think it's a pretty good Middle Tennessee team, but uh, Alabama limited explosives, uh, did not give up many. Uh, they stopped the run, as I said, was going to be a key. Holding the Blue Raiders to three yards a rush, 78 yards overall. Uh, and then they, in a scrappy QB, and Nicholas uh, Vadiato, a former bowl game, Bahamas Bowl MVP, uh, 21 to 32, but only 127 yards. Really only gave up one 10 play drive for a touchdown. Alabama did just out possess Middle Tennessee, so they, they didn't dominate possession time. And the running game wasn't, you know, a 300 a yard or whatever, 300, 350 yard juggernaut, but they gained 205 yards, average five yards per carry. And Jalen Milrow gets the MVP award. I talked about, and we did as a, as a group last week, that he needed to play well in this game uh, to have confidence going into the, the game against Texas and to go a long way toward winning this job. Now, he hasn't won it yet, but he's got, an, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, just an absolute, uh, you know, opportunity to put the nail in the coffin, so to speak, and, in, and, uh, and on Saturday and nail this down coming up inside Bryant-Denny Stadium yet again against the Longhorns. Uh, who won, I believe, 37-10 to 10 over uh, the Rice Owls. But uh, Alabama winning at 56-7. to 7. Jalen Milrow, 13-18, of 18, 194 yards, three touchdowns, and then seven rushes, 48 yards. It was actually more than that when you, when you uh, take out the adjust to the sack. It was over 60 yards. So he led the team in rushing, two TDs. And, you know, I should have asked Kirk McNair this, and I know William – uh, has dealt with Kirk, and, and so have you, Thomas. We all know him. He was a former sports information director for Coach Bryant and Charlie Thornton, and he was around for much of the wishbone era, and I should have asked him this. That was probably the first time since that era that Alabama had three different quarterbacks score rushing touchdowns, as Jalen Milrow, Tyler Buckner, and Simpson all did on the ground. They combined for four. We saw all three of them play. We talked about that last week. The interesting part, guys, is we got some intel. I know I we had I had it that Chris R Chris Lowe was given the green light to put it out, but we had heard strongly that Milrow would start, of course. But late in the week, Tyler Buckner has worked his way now in the last few weeks from four to two, and he has passed uh, Dylan Lonergan and Ty Simpson. He's the backup. He was efficient himself, played pretty well last night in his first action. Ty did some things with his legs as well. Uh, and so, and also completed, uh, you know, his only pass attempt. So all three of them did some good things, but Jalen Milrow was extremely dynamic with his arm and his legs threw the deep ball exceptionally well. Uh, and I just thought William overall, it was a great team win for Alabama and a dominating one and one that should give them a lot of confidence heading into next week's matchup, which is probably going to be the marquee one in all of college football. Yeah, I, I, I agree, Drew. I think that, uh, you know, if, if you're an Alabama fan, you know, and you, you watched the game last night with 
whatever your expectation level was for this first game of 2023, I, I don't see how you can come away from it and, and not be pleased. Um, you know, I, I would say it was an A-minus performance. Um, and, and the things that I was looking for was, um, you know, cut down on penalties, especially illegal procedures and offsides. Um, you know, uh, get getting the, the delay of games on offense. Um, you know, they were snapping the ball most of the time with, t- you know, 10 to 15 seconds left on the play clock. Um, you never really saw any, you know, mass chaos or confusion on either side of the ball. So, um, you know, I, I think that what a lot of people were looking for was this, you know, dominating, you know, performance on the ground. And, you know, MTSU came into that game and they they figured the only way they had a chance to win it was to make Milrow throw. Um, and so, you know, they run blitz, they stunted, they slanted, uh, they stacked the box. And so, you know, for a, a new unit um, at the at the O-line position, you know, they, they had some, you know, run blocking struggles and picking up all of that, you know, chaos that was going on. I mean, I remember on my 21st birthday in 1991, we played a, a similar defense um, up in Memphis. And I think we only won the game 16 to nothing. Um, you know, there was no doubt we were the, the better team, but, you know, when it looks like a beehive dispersing in front of you, it's a little bit difficult to, uh, you know, pick all that mess up. But, you know, I think the second offensive line benefited from, uh, you know, the defensive coordinator for MTS, MTSU finally backing some people out of the box there um, once Milrow was yanked. And all of a sudden, you know, you got some – some fans that are saying that Richard Young or Justice Haynes needs to be the starting running back now because of how explosive they were. Well, the reasons they were explosive is the O-line had broke them and the second team O-line benefited from it. Um, You know, the other big key for me going into the game was the wide receivers getting separation and and not dropping the football. Um, You know, that took place. Um, you know, Drew, you look like a prophet for, you know, some of your preseason comments about Nilback. Um, you know, one thing that I don't think we saw, you know, them make any attempt to do, uh, which I bet you'll see versus Texas, was a lot of the crossing patterns and seam routes that, that Reese likes to utilize with the bigger inline tight ends in the passing game. And, you know, that'll come if, if they can get, you know, a, a successful ground game going against Texas this Saturday. So, you know, all in all, I think the offense um, was a pleasant surprise. And I think it was a pleasant surprise, um, you know, mainly because of, of the progress that Jalen Milrose made at quarterback. I wasn't even upset um, about, you know, a couple of those sacks that he took because it's a good thing that he's trying to mentally make himself stay in the pocket and keep his eyes downfield and, and let a, um, you know, wide receiver come open at the last minute. But, um, you know, switching over to the other side of the football, you know, kind of the same thing. Um, it, it looked like they were an aggressive, cohesive unit. I mean, Don, uh, Deontay Lawson was, you know, looked looked like C.J. Mosley out there at times with, you know, with his range of, of you know, being able to go sideline to sideline and make a play. Um, no real surprise, but I was glad to see the young man, 
um, back up the hype with his play. Uh, you know, the true freshman, uh, um, number one safety in the country, uh, Caleb Downs was the leading tackler in his first collegiate start. Um, I was very impressed with the play of the defensive backs. Um, you know, they, they were just, you know, they gave up some underneath stuff. But, man, I thought, you know, Kool-Aid, Arnold, uh, especially the transfer key, uh, even when Amos came in, you know, in release, they all just were where they were supposed to be all night. Um, you know, I, I love seeing the uh, engagement and the intensity a couple of times when the camera would follow the defense to the sidelines side from the new uh, inside linebacker coach, Bala or whatever his name is. Um, you know, he, he was as fired up as the players, and I think that's a positive. Uh, special teams was solid, um, too exceptional. Um, you know, burnups becoming a weapon. Uh, you know, we, we saw Kool-Aid do what he did last night against a lot better teams than MTSU. So, you know, they, they've got a chance, Drew, to, to – I've seen – let me put it this way. I've seen a lot worse game ones and game twos in my days um, out of a Nick Saban coach football uh, uh, team that I saw last night. I just, you know, I just liked everything that I saw. I mean, there really wasn't, um, you know, anything that I could sit here with a straight face and, uh, you know, complain about. Um, you know, when the when the second and the third team quarterback came in, um, they looked like they were well prepared. They were poised. Um, you know, you didn't see any anxiety out of them, even though that's a little bit easier to do when the game's in hand. But, uh, you know, it's good to see some of those second-team offensive line guys, um, you know, get in there and, and get some confidence and some meaningful reps as well. So I'm, I'm real pleased with, uh, you know, the MTSU game. And, you know, now we can kind of start to shift our focus to the marquee matchup of the whole college football landscape this Saturday. Yeah, you know, I, I another thing that interested me is for most of the pretty much the first half we saw the offensive line we thought we were gonna see uh, J.C. Latham, Darian Dalcourt, Seth McLaughlin, and then of course Tyler Booker and Proctor. I thought Proctor. I asked McLaughlin about this after the game. So I thought Proctor did a nice job in his first game. He got a pancake early. I think they got him, you know, going. Uh, and then in the second half, I thought it was interesting because I thought this might be what happened. I know on the even on the depth chart, T.J. Ferguson was listed at backup left guard, but we saw him come in at right guard for Dalcourt. Um, Alabama was still able to move the ball effectively. I still think that's an ongoing battle, and if Ferguson's getting healthy again, it might be hard for Dalcourt to hold him off. Uh, but I thought that was very interesting. And then I thought William, by about the third series of the game, we had already seen four tight ends play. Uh, they did play Kitzel in some of the second half for five, but Danny Lewis was on the field for the first snap. I would have lost that bet over, you know, C.J. Dupree and Nye Black. On the, by the time they had the second snap, Nye Black was in there. Then we saw Dupree. Nye Black had the explosive touchdown catch about, you know, uh, that he made down the field from Milrow, uh, you know, 40-plus uh, yards. And then we saw, uh, you know, Dupree make a catch. And I agree with you. I don't think they showed nearly everything they have with those guys. I think, you know, we had a question. I know Thomas is going to give us later, but that I would think that would be something, we a new wrinkle we would see uh, would be some tight end stuff. We'll go talk about that later. But I just felt like they played a lot of tight ends. 
And the one thing, William, that we didn't see that pleased me uh, is we didn't see any drop from the receivers at all. And hearing from, uh, you know, I got, the, I had, I, I had a chance to be a part of a couple of eye-opening interviews. First of all, to here we heard from Milrow after the game, and the kid was super impressive. You can tell he's put a lot of work in. I asked him what he took from, you know, from Bryce Young. I asked him, and he said basically just poise and, and being calm and, you know, not, not being rattled back there playing quarterback in his preparation. And then I, and then I was really impressed uh, with Jermaine Burton. Uh, he said basically he wanted to come back and mature, and I think he has. He's doing that, and I think he's going to be primed for a big year. Uh, and I thought he set the tone last night for the group. And he said his proudest moment was early in the game when 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 uh, Isaiah Bond ran over a defender uh, for for the uh, Blue Raiders, and it set the tone for the rest of the game. So I just thought that the entire team played with a different mindset than we've seen the last few years, and they played with a focus and intensity. And uh, I just thought the execution for a first game wasn't perfect, but it was really really good because the receiving core. If they catch the ball like that, William, Alabama's going to be tough to handle later in the year. You, you, you just jarred my memory with, with two things that I failed to mention. And uh, I think – well, I'm, I'm going to talk about Burton first because I know he um, was the source of some scorn last year um, with, with the fan base. And, you know, some of it was warranted with some of his jackassery. Um, but, you know, when he, when he made that touchdown catch and, you know, jogged past the – lower level there and gave some high fives. I think that went a long way to kind of, um, you know, repair some of that ill will. And, and I do think he's matured. Um, and, and another one, because I'm going to tell you something, if you didn't get to see it live, uh, go back and watch the replay. There were multiple times after, you know, Milrow hung into the pocket where he got tagged and he got tagged pretty good. And I want to say it was the last deep ball touchdown that he threw. He was, you know, sitting on his ass in a, in a, you know, position like he was, uh, you know, fixing to touch his two, two toes and did a double front bicep pose sitting there on the ground. Um, you know, that's not excessive celebration. That tells me that, you know, that, that was probably a demon uh, that the young man had exercised off of his goals. Uh, for this season is, you know, he got a lot of heat last year for bailing out of the pocket and not, not making certain throws. And of course, now the narrative has changed with the fan base. I mean, we knew he was a good runner. Now we know he's a good deep ball thrower, but man, I sure am worried about his accuracy on those intermediate routes over the middle. So hopefully he can get everybody off his ass about that next week versus Texas. Yeah, and I would agree with that. I, I thought the only plays he kind of left out there, he missed, uh, you know, Malik Benson on a third down. I thought he could have had, uh, but that happens. And then I thought, you know, he had Kobe on a crossing route type pass that he threw into the ground. Really the only time he did it all night, he, he just threw the ball straight into the ground when he had time to throw. And then there was a zone read where I think if he gives it to Jace, Jace is going to have some room. He keeps it, and then he almost got injured. I mean, he took a horse collar. Luckily, it wasn't severe. But, again, there's enough to work on. And I, I thought that, uh, you know, he and, and Jalen realized that. He knows he's far from perfect. He's got to continue to improve. And that's the only way he's going to hold on to the job because, again, the, the job is and the competition is ongoing. So, 
uh, but he can go a long way toward doing, you know, what he needs to do this week. Uh, he admitted after the game that his immediate family and some of his uh, extended family are all Longhorn fans because he was committed to Texas before he flipped to Alabama. So he's going to have a lot of family, I guess, in town for the game. So it's going to be interesting for him and a chance to make a statement. And, you know, I know Steve Sarkisian believes he has a good team. And we certainly are, we know it's going to be a, a big time physical test because Bo Davis has a big, strong defensive line. It's going to be a great test for Alabama's offensive line. And, uh, you know, I do think the more reps he gets, the better he'll get. One of those sacks he took, I think half second sooner, he can probably take off and run. Uh, but, again, I agree with William. It's not all that bad to take sacks sometimes. Just protect the ball. So, and as long as you don't get injured, and he seems to be a, a guy that's sturdy and hopefully will stay healthy. Uh, but, you know, you learn from every play. And so, again, he'll learn, no question about it. And uh, and, he'll, and and the more he plays, the better he should get. But, Thomas, I was going to kind of get your thoughts on uh, what, you, what you saw offensively. So, I have to be honest. I looked at the Rice-Texas game, and I looked at the Middle Tennessee-Alabama game. And if you had asked me how I thought both of those games were going to go, given the new pieces, the scheme changes, the stuff that stayed the same, I thought those two results would have been flipped. I thought it would have been about 37, 40, you know, I think I took 45 to 10 Alabama over MTSU. And I thought Texas would just, you know, pile drive rice. And that's not what we saw. I, I think overall, you know, I look at this team, I look at the offense. The most impressive stat was 10 of 13 on third down, which yes. that's, that's flat out unreal. And it's easy to say, oh, Alabama just ran the ball for two yards on every third and two, and all they had was third and twos. Alabama's average was third and five. There were several third and longs where essentially Alabama threw a pass short of the sticks, but the wide receivers were able to make some yards after the catch. And Alabama was able to convert that third down. I frankly, I was very surprised that Alabama blew the top off with as much as they did. I'm not complaining. I was very surprised. But at the same time, as has been said, there's a lot of taking what the defense was giving when we talk about stuff like that. MTSU is a havoc-based defense. Uh, it was shown on the broadcast last night. They were second in turnovers uh, last year. Yep. And, and – so what they're going to try and do is they're either going to cause a tackle for loss or they're going to give up a chunk. And we saw some tackles for loss and we saw some chunks. And there's nothing wrong with either of those things. It's just, you know, what did I say before the game? What was I looking to see? How often was Alabama stymied? How many sacks? Well, we already talked about the sacks. They did happen. They had some no, some minimal gainers and no gainers, but they also came out with 5.1 yards per carry average, and a handful of those were explosives from a variety of backs. I think Alabama was able to stay efficient in general, stay efficient. You know, there were some points where you're like, oof, I don't know what you saw there, but I don't understand how that's not expected. Like, I came in expecting a lot more oof, I don't know what you saw there, than I actually got. It was surprising, and I'm not saying that Tommy Reese is going to be able to do that against everybody, but 
to me, if you compare what Bill O'Brien wanted to do and what Tommy Reese wants to do, Tommy Reese is going to do his damnedest to give easy things, to scheme a quarterback to get easy wins. Bill O'Brien didn't do that as much. He wanted the entire team to execute at a very, 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 very high level, and by doing so would be nearly unstoppable. We saw that two years ago with Jamison Williams and John Mechie in the SEC title game. Um, Georgia stood almost no chance with how well the team was playing that day, and that was a year's worth of offensive development. Now, that all said, Reese does it differently, and it probably fits the personnel a little bit better. This is an offense that does have a lot of new moving pieces, and they want to attack you in a variety of ways. And, you know, I didn't, you didn't ask me this on defense, Drew, but the defense was downhill. They were attacking. They were all over the place, doing as much as they could do, as often as they could do it, stymieing Middle Tennessee State. And I can't think of very many times where I just wanted to, like, launch my remote at the television because somebody did something that is very confusing to me, and it led to a big play. And, again, with the new moving pieces and the new defensive coordinator and all of those bits and bops and whatever, I don't know how you can be anything but excited what we saw uh, this past weekend in Tuscaloosa, Drew. Yeah, I mean, I was very excited about it defensively. I mean, William already brought it up. I thought Downs looked like a natural. Um, you know, I thought he looked like Minka's cousin. I mean, basically, uh, you know, if they if they almost cloned him. Uh, certainly, we'll see if he has the ball skills that Minka had. But for a first game, for a, he was always in the right spot, I thought. He, ta- he, he tackled with physicality. He certainly flew around. Um, you know, I thought Lawson looked really good. It's amazing what happens when you have good coaching. It still matters. And I thought Bala and Steele and T-Rob, all these defensive coaches, man, I thought they did a great job. I'll give Freddie Roach credit with the D-line. I thought the D-line played well. You know, I, I, you know, I, I agree with William. I think they played several guys, and I think they're trying to develop depth there. I think they'll get better as far as the defensive front, but I still thought they held, uh, you know, up very well on the, you know, uh, you know, uh, against a, a pretty good uh, offensive line from Middle Tennessee as far as stopping the run, being disruptive. Uh, but I thought, you know, I had one guy I really respected the media tell me he didn't see too much from, uh, you know, uh, from Dallas Turner, but I disagree with that. I thought Dallas, you know, he didn't get sacks. But if you see that interception from Key, and I know William will remember this, he hit the quarterback as he was releasing the ball. And he forced the – he had four hurries, and hurries are almost as good as sacks, okay? That means the play is very likely going to get blown up. And he had two tackles. I think the sacks will come. Braswell was really good. and He's been waiting his turn. He had a sack. Lawson had a sack. Uh, and then, of course, Q-Rob, who – you got to really give it to Quindarius. He's never he's never quit. He's gotten in some trouble. He he worked his way out of it, and now they've got him and Coot behind Turner and Braswell. I think they got four really good guys. I think they got four good players behind them. But I thought the pass rush looked good, especially organically. And then some of the blitzes got home. They didn't look like they were drawn up by somebody that they just drank wild turkey, which was a lot of my you know problems. <laughs> you no, know, I. That's what Thompson's talking about, throwing things at televisions. 
because you just didn't really. And William, you bitched about it too, you know, with Toa Toa on these blitzes that didn't make any damn sense. Okay. Everything looked like it was, it had been schemed up well. And that was a, a nice change, William, from the last four years or so. Well, you, you and Thomas's commentary has brought up a couple more thoughts for me. First of all, for a team like MTSU, I thought they had a really good quarterback. Yeah. Um, yeah and and, and right. I thought for the most part, you know, he, he never really looked like he was going south with what, you know, you, you, you could just tell from the get-go that, that things weren't going to be a lot. There wasn't going to be a lot of offensive output from MTSU. But I really liked that kid's uh, poise. Um, he did get knocked around. Um, and uh, the, the defensive line, um, you can tell they think that they've got six or seven guys that they can rotate in and out. And, and at least they're trying to get them to that point. And I saw some flashes from, you know, a guy like Damon Payne, yeah. um, who it's taken a while to, to, you know, to get in there. And, um, you, you know, I, I liked the new version of the Cheetah package. There was a lot of nice stunts. Um, and, and I agree with you, Drew. Um, you know, Dallas Turner may not have gotten a, a sack, um, but he his presence was felt. And then the, the one last thought on offense, because I wasn't really expecting um, to, to feel this way about this guy with his limited reps. But, man, once that game slows down and things starts cl uh, clicking for Jalen Hale, I think he's got a chance to be special. Yeah, I mean, he's, he, from what I understand, he's really come on, become kind of that seventh guy uh, in fall camp. He stepped forward. Uh, and hopefully he's going to keep getting better. I think Malik has improved quite a bit. Now, Ja'Cory's having to dig his way out. Uh, you know, we talked about it a little bit last week. Coach Saban uh, reiterated it because he was suspended for the first half yesterday, immediately got back in there, didn't do a whole lot. Hopefully he can get going this next week against Texas, but he's a big part of this offense. And, uh, you know, it's an off-field issue that he's worked through. Uh, he's always been a, a, a hard worker and a good player. Hopefully, uh, this won't derail this season for him. Hopefully, he he the message will be uh, you know sent and received, and he will respond in the right way. Uh, but you know, and I just think overall, this receiver core it may not have any you know of the of the rideouts, but I think they're 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 talented enough and can make enough plays with the rest of this group and this offensive line. And this core of running backs. Now, we didn't see any huge gains from these running backs, but I thought Jace did a nice job. He had a touchdown. He he had he had a loss on his first carry, really. Uh, but then he he got it going after that. Uh, and then I thought he was solid. I thought Roy Dell ran it up really hard. Uh, and then, you know, we didn't see as much out of Jam. We did see some good things uh, out of Justice Haynes and Richard Young late. But, I mean, they got some dudes, man. I think they're all going to improve. And I'll be honest with you, I don't think Reese, if they didn't show a lot of their running game, that they're going to have ready for Texas because they know who the defensive line coach is on the other side. They know Bo does his job well. They know this Texas team thinks their defense is better. So they're going to have some things schemed up for them. Uh, and so I think uh, overall I'm excited about it and excited about the future and um, I, I think Coach Reese is going to continue to add new uh, other wrinkles, but I thought he did a nice job. William made a good point of him 
know, what he did to help Milrow, and that's what you do. You play your quarterback strengths. Lane was always really good with it. Sark was good with it, too. Uh, and I, I just think that the, that uh, uh, I, I'm anxious to see. I mean, I'll just say this. If Milrow can throw the ball with the kind of accuracy he did for the majority of the game yesterday and can be a guy that can hit downfield throws with his ability to run, and, I mean, it ain't something like any Alabama quarterback I've ever seen because, William, I'm just telling you, when he gets to that second or third step, he is hauling ass. And I'm just, he is absolutely – he's faster than any of the tailbacks. So, if he can complement them, they still get the majority of the carries. But I, we talked about explosive plays. But if he can provide explosive plays with his legs to complement these tailbacks, and, you know, complete 15 to 20 passes a game, this is an Alabama offense, William, that will be hard to handle. It will be a different offense than we've seen maybe the last three, four, five years, but still just as effective in a different way, if that makes sense. No, it makes perfect sense because Thomas and I were talking about this before you jumped on. You know, if last night was Jalen Milrose floor and he can perform like that, you know, against the rest of the schedule, you know, there is no quarterback controversy. Um, but if he can get better, um, you know, I mean, like, just like you said, um, th- there was a team in 2010 that rode a quarterback that had a lot of his same attributes to a, natu- uh, uh, um, a national championship. Now, Cam, I'm not trying to compare Jalen Milrow to Cam Newton, but they do have a lot of the same attributes um, you know, Cam came to Auburn, you know, out of junior college and I think was a more polished passer. But if you go back and look at that season, that's basically what Cam's passing game was, is it was throwing the ball to Lutz and Kirkin across the middle and throwing bombs. You know, there wasn't any, you know, dynamic intermediate over the middle uh, passing game. It was you know, 88 and out the gate, or here, I'm going to dump it off to Lutzen Kirkin and let him pick up 15 yards. So I, I think there's just a real intriguing, um, you know, storyline there with, with Jalen Milrow. And, and I think that is why he is QB1 at this current time, is, is that coaching staff has seen some of these intangibles, you know, in practices and scrimmages, you know, that he brings to the table, you know, uh, the other two guys, you know, are, 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 you know, good quarterbacks in their own right. But, man, Milrose just got the it factor in, in several different areas. And uh, I, I do think that what you touched on, Drew, about Reese coming up with a, a system that can accent what he does do well is worlds apart different than what he was asked to do Last year, when when Bryce got hurt, you could almost see, you know, the look on Bill O'Brien's face. You know, Christ, just get me through the second half of this Arkansas game and four quarters of Texas A&M so I can get my baby back. Um, I I just question just how much development um, Jalen Milrow got last year. Um, So, like I said, I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward to see how the – you know, the next game unfolds. But I just think there's there's a lot more positives and and things to be excited about, Drew, than I was really expecting. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was very pleasantly surprised at how efficient Milrow was. There was only a, 
two or three like moments where you were a little frustrated. But again, those plays happen with every quarterback. Um, you know, every every, every play is not going to be executed perfectly. A lot of it is how you respond, and I thought Milrow responded very well. Um, and then when you hear from him after the game, I think he's very comfortable in his own skin. He knows he's got to keep working. Uh, he knows he's got to keep, you know, because if he has a bad series or two, people are going to be hollering. And, of course, they've got not just Texas. They've got a lot of great teams uh, that they've got to play, no doubt about it. And there'll be a time where he's probably a little off that he's going to have to gather himself and find a way to make plays. Uh, no question about it. And so uh, you just got to hope he continues to build and get better uh, because Blake Sims, he had the same thing at Arkansas where he had to overcome a poor game uh, when that they found a way to win on the road. The defense stepped up. So, you know, you know, there's going to be some moments of, uh, you know, where you get where you have to gut check and he'll have some of those. Hopefully he will pass them. Uh, no doubt about it. And like I said, I think the, Offensive line, I'm going to be interested to see if Ferguson and Dalcourt is still going to be a competition going forward. Um, I, I, you know, and, and Thomas, I'm going to bring you into the conversation. I know you, you talked about the defense a little bit, but I just thought when I said, you know, uh, you know, cohesion, communication, domination, I just thought all three, you know, and we've talked about this for the last few years that. I thought all three levels, though, of the defense looked very, very uh, in sync. Um, and then what, what was exciting is Trez Marshall started. Giad Campbell was out with a knee scope. We'll see if he's back this week. Could be or it might be another week. Oh, by the way, got some breaking news in the podcast. It looks like Malachi Moore and Jalen Key will be available for Texas very likely. Looks like they're going to be okay. Not severe injuries. That's good. Because like Liam already stated, Key looks like a natural and looks like the perfect complement to Caleb Downs, uh, you know, at the safety spot. Because I, I noticed this in the scrimmages, William, uh, in the scrimmage that I saw, pardon me, and that I heard about it in the first one. <laughs> but, um, and, I mean, look, I, all I know, I'll just say this. Jalen Key is a ball hawk. He has the – some guys are, some guys aren't. It's, it's kind of like – it's kind of like an instinct, you know what I'm saying, uh, where, you know, a guy just seems to always be in the right spot. Well, Jalen Key is an extremely good-looking athlete. I wondered, could he make the transition from from UAB to the SEC? Uh, it looks as though he can. And I thought Trey Amos gave him some good reps, too. I, I think the second Absolutely. I'm I'm going to be I guess I and William I'll, I'll before we I, we go I'm going to go to William with this and then Thomas you can give your opinion on the same thing and I know William you watched the Texas game I did not but Texas has a really good receiver core I am really fascinated to see how well our Alabama's DBs match up with those Texas receivers. Well, I mean I I think last year you know at least Kool Aid. Uh, you know, matched up really well with them. Except every other time they threw, they they targeted Kool-Aid, they tag him with a with a pass interference penalty. But you know, I, I just thought last night it was a very, you know, cool moment. Um, no pun intended to Kool-Aid. Um, you know, when Key got that interception, man, you could just tell how excited he was. And you know, not that he played for the. UAB program of 20 years ago. I mean, they, they've been pretty successful at their level um, here here in recent times. Uh, but man, you could just tell how special that was to him. And um, in fact, 
I guess I had done it more than uh, I realized. But when he when he made the interception, I, I blurted out, "Man, that's one pretty a pretty sob right there." And a buddy of mine was like, "You've said that about six or seven other guys." And I said, "Well, they're pretty." Um, but uh, you know, I, I did watch the Texas game. Um, you know, I, I wasn't blown away by their offensive line. Um, there, you know, again, I don't know what his status is. It could have been something as, cause it did look hotter than hell. It oh. might've it could have been something as minor as a, as a hamstring cramp, but, you know, said they're, they're the number one running back in the country that they got last year. Um, Cedric Baxter, um, left the game yesterday and never came back. Um, you know, they, they didn't really, um, you know, I think they rushed for like a four 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 yard average, something in that that thing. Um, the the guy that got the bulk of their carries, his last name was Blue. Um, but you, you just didn't see, um, you know, a consistent running game, um, you know, out of them like I was expecting to see versus Rice. You know, I mean, Worthy was Worthy. Um, you know, he uh, he had one I think for about twenty five yards, but you know. Ewers was Ewers. I mean, you know, he would look good and click along for, you know, two or three throws in a row, and then he would uh, misfire on on a couple in a row. Um, so, you know, outside of that explosive, you know, I think they scored 21 points in the third quarter to kind of put the icing on that game. But, you know, like Thomas, the way Thomas put it in a perspective, um, they were not as impressive against Rice as Alabama was versus MTSU. Um, and, you know, I know they've gotten good players. That's, you know, despite the wins and losses, Sark has done a good job of uh, getting more talent on that roster. Um, but, you know, it's going to be interesting to, you know, to see how everything unfolds next Saturday. But, yeah, I, you know, I looked out there one time and, uh, you know, saw Earl Little playing uh, – um, you know, the corner closest to the sideline. So, you know, he got some quality reps last night. We haven't really touched on him. But, you know, I think if they can stay healthy, um, that's going to be one of the deepest and most talented areas of this team. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, uh, Thomas, uh, as I said, uh, just give your thoughts kind of. I know you studied Texas some, too. We know they hurt Alabama, um, you know, uh, last year throwing the football vertically down the field. but. A lot of those DBs are, you know, uh, are not no longer on the team. Uh, you know, Kyrie Jackson, matter of fact, he's a, he's at Oregon. He got victimized by Worthy, uh, and, and quite frankly, uh, some of those were veteran DBs. But they, you know, schematically may have been put at a disadvantage. Uh, that Alabama team, too, for whatever reason, because I think of Pete Golding, uh, you know, they just weren't disciplined. They, I don't think that. There was a cohesive plan. Uh, as I just said, coaching matters. But just kind of give your thoughts on, uh, you know, uh, on what we're talking about, like what you saw last night and kind of and, and how, how it matches up with Texas. And because, again, I don't think that I know Sark didn't show everything at all either, but can't reinvent the wheel you know. also. And I, I think while Texas had some success against Alabama last year, Alabama actually had one of their better games against the run. They contained Bijan. Uh, they they and then at, once Hudson Card had to play, it was tougher for Texas to move the football. But I still, based on what I saw, 
And I know a lot of times your biggest improvement is from game one to game two. I still like – I feel like Alabama played a better team than Rice uh, in, in, in Middle Tennessee. And I think that without showing a ton, I think right now, I think Alabama's got the better football team. So what I saw, what I saw against Middle Tennessee was – I hate to call it a schematic advantage, but that, that's the best phrase I have for it. What Alabama's defense would do over the past couple of years was kind of a statistician's nightmare. Um, they would be – across a season, they would be a top ten group. They, they really would. But in high leverage moments, you would see the defense fall all over itself. And I, I attribute that to a scheme that was cure cancer, make breakfast, adjust a defense – um, predict the 10 most valuable stocks over the next 30 years. Oh, and then by the way, the ball snapped. And that was a lot of what Pete Golding wanted to do as the Alabama defensive coordinator. I think the Ole Miss faithful are going to get a um, uh, an, ed- an education in the Pete Golding effect over the next eight to 10 weeks. But with that... I didn't see that as much with Kevin Steele. I didn't see that with this defensive group. It was not so much that it was, we're going to do this and do it well. And by doing it well versus making it complicated, we are going to have success. And can that be victimized? Potentially, you know, if you get into some more complexity. But I think given the pieces and parts that Alabama has, I think it's fair to be very confident about the defense as well. And one of the other things that the Alabama defense would do over the past couple of years is particularly around with the DBs, they'd get grabby. They just would. They'd get beat because they were confused and they were changing the call, and they'd get grabby and they'd give up a pass interference, automatic first down, blah, 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 blah. Well, for those that did not notice, Alabama had two penalties last night. Alabama on both sides of the ball was more disciplined. And, you know, we're kind of, you know, nibbling around the Texas notion. Texas had five penalties against Rice uh, this past weekend. So I think when I look at this Alabama team, it was the coaches able to utilize players and let the player's strength shine versus trying to let their scheme shine. Because Bill O'Brien's a scheme guy. Watch the New England Patriots. You will see Bill O'Brien's off. You will see the offense you've seen for the past couple of years at Alabama. Watch Pete Golding's defense, but with worse players. You're going to see the exact same thing. But I think Tommy Reese did a good job of putting Milrow and the pieces that he's most comfortable with in positions to shine. You know, we briefly mentioned Amari Nyblack. Not matchup nightmare. The light's coming on for that guy too. But then Kevin Steele. You know, we're going to try and go five and six deep everywhere, play fast, attack, and play physical, and dictate to the offense what they can and cannot do. Now, does that mean occasionally that Alabama will get burned? Yes, absolutely. And frankly, I expect Texas to be able to do some of that. But, again, I know I sound like a broken record when I say this, Drew, but I, I just don't understand how looking at the first game on both sides of the ball for the Alabama Crimson Tide, yes, was it, yes, there are places that Alabama can improve. 
Yes, there are places that Alabama needs to improve. And frankly, the whole team needs to get a pressure test because as good or bad as MTSU is, they're not Texas. They're not LSU. They're not Tennessee. They're not should Alabama make it Georgia. And they're not a playoff caliber team. So that's a great unknown with this team. But how many teams outside of Florida and LSU are you going to have a good read on at the end of week one? I would argue you'll know none of them because the vast majority, even in the top 10, you can pick out quarters or halves of quarters or drives or stuff where you're like, what the hell were you thinking? And if you do that against a Georgia or an Alabama or a Michigan or an Ohio State, you're going to lose. So, again, I don't mean to beat this dead horse, but I'm absolutely going to do it. I don't know how you can't be excited about what you saw on offense and on defense against Middle Tennessee, Drew. Yeah, and I William made a great point about the quarterback. Tyler Watt said the same thing, said he was very quick. Uh, he's a former bowl MVP, I think, of the Bahamas Bowl earlier in his career. So he's a good player. Uh, and it was good to face somebody that ha- could make some plays and test you a little bit, uh, but still pass it with flying colors. He made a great point about Burnup. Burnup could be a great weapon in this next game. He has improved by leaps and bounds. Kool-Aid did a nice job returning. He was close to breaking a couple. Uh, He does not have a concussion. To my knowledge, he was fine in the media room. I know he took a hard shot. uh, and They called targeting, but he's he's okay. Uh, And, again, if Malachi and Key can go, that's huge. We may not see uh, Jihad. We'll see. Uh, But if not, He's got Trez Marshall with a game under his belt. And then I thought another breakout guy was Kendrick Blackshire. He's always been talented. He just needs to learn to earn the trust of the coaches. He's more physically talented than, uh, than you know, when you think about Trez Marshall. But he just hasn't been dependable. But if he's – and I know one of the things Coach Steele wanted to see going into camp because he knew about Deontay. He thought Jihad could play. And then Trez was coming in as a transfer. He wanted to develop more depth inside, and I think they're doing that with Blackshire and hopefully Justin Jefferson uh, developing. But I'll be honest with you, I've been a little worried about this Texas game all offseason, but I'm very confident now. I think Alabama's going to win this game. You guys talked about, you know, it being a seven-point spread. I think Alabama – I thought Alabama – I was extremely confident. I thought Alabama was going to wipe four with Texas. When they didn't, it worried me, uh, you know, for the rest of the season. And I had right to be worried because this team could never almost seemingly put it all together. Uh, but I, I do think that they're going to beat the Longhorns soundly. I'm going to stick with my pick because I had a special feeling about this ball club. But I'm going to go uh, with uh, 34 to 17 Alabama. I think they're going to kick the Horns' ass all over Bryant-Denny Stadium and send some uh, – Texas fans home with a frown on their face. Well, I had already kind of decided my Texas score um, before you gave your prediction, Drew, but I'm, I'm going to go 31 17. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's, let's actually talk about Texas before I give my pick. I know we need to get out of here pretty soon. The thing that jumped out to me about Texas, if you look at the stats for the Texas game, One of the things that Texas should have in terms of a strength is the offensive line. And if you look at last year, 
that was one of Texas's kind of weak points. I thought Alabama was really able to do some damage on the line of scrimmage, defensive line to Texas's offensive line. Uh, the same held true for Texas's DL against Alabama's offensive line throughout most of that contest as well. But at the end of the first half against Rice, it was 16-3 Texas, and Texas had given up three sacks and something like six or seven other negative plays. That's pretty alarming if you're returning five starters along the offensive line. I, I understand you're still gelling and blah, 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 blah. It's not going to be perfect. And my God in heaven, if we if we reference this offensive line many more times, I'm pretty sure William Redfish Barger will drive down to Mobile and run me over with his pickup truck. But even, you know, the DJ Fluker-led offensive line of that crazy 2011-2012 team gave up six sacks to Western Kentucky. So, you know, one game does not an offensive line make. But that was pretty alarming. Um, the other thing about Texas, you know, they did have – they did hold Rice to 176 total yards and, you know, more power to them. But I don't frankly believe the thing that Texas was able to do, which was really abuse the Alabama offensive line, is going to hold true in a week. I just don't think that's going to happen. I think this offensive line is going to be at least a push, if not physically overpowering, to virtually every team. This is the Alabama offensive line against every defensive line that they'll see. So that's going to be a big change from this game. And, you know, you look at Texas's roster, they've got a fantastic roster. You know, very highly recruited. If you go by the rule of you have to have like two or three top ten recruiting classes to really be in the national championship conversation, talent-wise, by recruiting stars, Texas is right there. But Texas, Texas has a very unique set of circumstances. And the thing about Texas is you have a bunch of fat cat, oil-rich jack wagons that assume, because they know where black gold is, they know how to lead a football team. And because they know how to lead a football team and have more money than God, they are both going to buy access to their favorite football team. And they're going to try and say how to play the game and coach the game. That causes headaches. That causes headaches in a big way. Um, I think there, that causes just problems left, right, and center, and it causes a lot of uneven performance. They're going to get cranked up to come to Tuscaloosa. But if Texas does the 6 of 15 on third downs thing they did against Rice, they're going to lose. And I think this Alabama team is, they're hungry. You know, what did we hear over the past week from Nick Saban? I'm real happy with the mentality of this team. I'm real happy with the mentality of this team. I believe he said on his coach's show that, uh, I don't know if we got the talent to win the national title, but we sure do have the mentality, and I think we can get there. You know, he said roughly that. I don't, I'm paraphrasing. He reiterated that um, in his postgame comments to, I believe, Cole Kublik of the SEC Network uh, after the Middle Tennessee State game. And so there are a lot of things that make you feel good about this Texas-Alabama matchup that's happening next week. Uh, you know, one more big stat for you for Texas. They only averaged 4.1 yards per rush against Rice. And, you know, that, that's not going to get it done, guys. That, that's not going to get it done against Alabama. And just for reference, you know, MTSU averaged three against Alabama. So... You know, that, that's, you would think that's going to be a decided step back. You know, I see the line Alabama by seven. The over-unders at 64, which back of the napkin math is like, 
it's like 35 27 type game is what they see it as or maybe 36 28 whatever the crazy break points are um I don't think Texas gets to 28 points. I just don't. I think that Alabama is going to be able to heat Quinn Ewers up. And I don't think Ewers is as good when he's heated up. And I don't think that Tex- – I think Texas is going to continue to struggle. I think the Alabama offense, it's going to have some fits and starts. I think it'll be good, but it won't be great. But I think Alabama is going to win, you know, 34, 34-24, something like that. I think Alabama's going to cover this one. I really, really have faith in this team. And I think some of the off-the-field nonsense with Texas is going to bite it in a big way. So, you know, I expect a big win. And should Alabama really annihilate Texas, similar to what they did against Clemson, you know, 18 years ago? (coughs) Buckle up. And I'm not sure that kind of thing won't happen. Because, you know, Texas is going to be a trendy pick to beat Alabama in Bryant-Denny Stadium next Saturday. That's a tall, tall order with what Alabama showed in week one. Now, we'll see, man, but I have to feel real confident that Alabama's going to cover this one as we roll into game number two next week, Drew. Well, and uh, you know, I'll just say I know we got a couple of questions to answer, and I'll, I'll... – I'll save the last one that was directed, you know, at me, but we'll we'll take the one that was directed from Hampton about to the whole group. And we you kind of referenced it in the beginning of the conversation of this uh, of this show. But what do you kind of expect to see wrinkle wise out of Alabama that we didn't see on Saturday? <clears throat> like, like I said, I think you'll see him, you know, turn the next page of the playbook. Um, you, you'll see more. Um, you know, play action stuff, um, maybe maybe more, you know, they're still going to take their shots downfield. Um, but I think you'll see them, you know, make a more concerted effort to work the, you know, 10 to 15-yard range from the um, line of scrimmage, um, you know, with some of the bigger bodied guys like Dupree and Danny Lewis and, and you know, to a lesser extent, maybe Kittlesman. They, they spent a lot of time in that, uh, 12, 12 man look uh, that that you know Reese has kind of you know got his career based on um, you know having having uh, you know two tight ends in the game at the same time and I, I think he'll you know work the running game around that a little bit more. Um, I'd like to see a few more screen passes. Uh, you know, the one that they did do was very successful and. Uh, you know, I think that'll be it. They're still going to take their shots down the field, you know, depending on how uh, Texas's defense chooses to play this game. Um, you know, you might see a few more RPOs um, yeah. at Milrow. Um, you know, they, they, you know, they, 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 you know, they ran them with all three quarterbacks. So that tells you right there um, that it's going to be a big part of the offense this year. And I think it should be. Um, so, you know, that, that's what I think will be the um, the bigger difference is, you know, if they are having trouble, you know, getting Burton and Bond and Prentice and, and uh, maybe to a lesser extent Benton, uh, Benson, you know, busted loose on a, on a post or a fly, <clears throat> you'll see them check down, uh, maybe do some bootlegs, you know, where it's a run-pass option for um, – and this was one of Homer Smith's bread-and-butter plays – um, where you roll uh, Milrow out 
and you know you've got a tight end going to that side of the field a running back going to that side of the field and, and you know the route ladder just goes from the line of scrimmage to you know about 15 yards down the field where a receiver's running a deep out and uh, you know if the force guy on that side of the line of scrimmage rushes uh, Milrow's going to dump it over his head to the to the back or the one of the tight ends if he drops um, he's probably going to take off and haul ass that's just how and, and man, I, I played that position in high school, and it is not a fun place to find yourself in. Because if you take one false step, you know, if you take two steps backwards with the tight end in coverage, um, you know, somebody with Milrow's speed is going to be by you before you even know what hits you. So there's all kinds of things that Tommy Reese can do um, with the toys that he's got to work with. And then, uh, Thomas, uh, your thoughts on uh, what some things William said. And, even, and if you want to add maybe uh, some things defensively you think Alabama may try, but just uh, your thoughts. So I wanted to give a shout-out to Hampton. Uh, they have a podcast. It's the Pigskin Cafe podcast. Give them a listen. They're, they're friends of ours. Uh, I, I will say Hamilton and I have uh, – Hamilton, Jesus. Hampton and I have, have running jokes between us about Alabama stuff, so he's a good guy. Um, now, in terms of wrinkles – I think you'll see a lot of option-based plays. And, William, you said this, but, but just to explain to fans, you'll see plays that look the same, like formationally. There's not going to be as many formation changes. It's going to be how many things Alabama is able to do out of them. And you, you referenced that. Now, I can give fans a little more concrete example. Um, you'll see some stuff where Alabama will line up in 12 personnel with uh, two tight ends to the wide side of the field. And with that much beef on one side, particularly with heavier tight ends that have shown run blocking, though even even Amari Nyblack got a shout out for being a run blocker, and he's not. He is. You take a look at him, and he doesn't look like a run blocker just from a you know a body perspective. But you know you have a couple of tight ends on that side that almost certainly gives you an overload advantage. And you saw Alabama actually do that against Middle Tennessee, where the two tight ends created a seal and the running back was able to gain 10, 15 yards, blah, blah, blah. You can do that out of that formation. But you can also, you know, send one of the tight ends to the flat on an RPO look. Um, you can do a levels concept out of that, which is very different. And that's all out of the same formation. So I'm not sure you see, like, mass different formation attacks from Alabama. But I think what you see is the stuff that Alabama puts on film that they'll put on film against Middle Tennessee, there will be some extra stuff in the background that uh, you just can't really control. And uh, William, William's got a, a countdown to uh, countdown to kickoff going in the background in <laughs> his phone. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, all, jo all joking aside, um, you know, I think you'll see different packaged plays out of the Alabama formations. I don't think you're going to see a lot of change. Now, on defense – I would be interested to see how Alabama chooses to arrange their personnel groupings. I think that's going to be some of the weird wrinkles there because, you know, we have already said they go six deep on the defensive line. Do they have something specific that they've seen? Like, does Alabama believe that they can go heavier, completely shut down the Texas run game, and make Quinn Ewers beat them and win? Well, that means they're going to go heavier on the defensive line. Or do they just want to heat him up so 
they'll go, you know, Jaheim Otis, which he's light enough now to not just play nose guard. He's been playing a lot of defensive tackle. He could potentially be a, a pass rusher. Now, I don't think he's great for that, but I'm saying he's there. Which linebackers come out? You know, how, did, how does Alabama choose to defend? I think those are the big wrinkles you'll see on defense. But, uh, again, there's so many variables with this that – it's hard to predict. I would just say, again, different plays out of similar formations is what you'll see from Alabama's offense. And then potentially specialized personnel groupings, depending on how quickly Texas chooses to play. You know, if, if Texas can play tempo, Alabama has to go more base personnel. But if Texas tries to slow the game down, which I don't really know why they'd want to, but maybe they do, then Alabama will be able to will be able to take their tenacity but use the right tool to be tenacious with or the perfect tool to be tenacious with, I guess I should say, in terms of personnel. And I think that's that's something you really need to look for, something to be interested in as Alabama takes the field against Texas Saturday night. Drew? Well, and uh, I'll just say this too. I agree. I think Alabama's got some things they can show offensively and defensively. Um, you know, especially I think the backs will be more involved in the passing game. I would look at for something like that to kind of maybe uh, match up against some of the Texas linebackers. Also, um, you know, defensively, I think we could see some blitzing even from uh, Caleb Downs and some disruptiveness uh, that they try to get some pressure and get in, uh, in the face of Quinn Ewers, make him turn the ball over. Uh, hopefully these uh, injury reports are, are – are going to be as encouraging uh, later in the week as they are now, and they'll have guys on the field because uh, I think they do need them. But they've got guys like can step in, like Earl Little Jr., Christian Story. I thought those guys did a good job yesterday. Uh, so I'm excited for this challenge for Alabama. It's certainly going to be a challenge for the O-line going up against this uh, front for Texas. They're big and physical. Uh, but they got uh, you know some movement last year. They had an 81-yard touchdown run. They did have an explosive Hopefully they can kind of wear them down and with this running game. And I think it's an even more talented running back room. Though Jameer Gibbs, the hell of a player, and he made some great plays in that game. But he wasn't a great inside runner. Uh, hopefully it'll be a little bit of a different style of running game, uh, no doubt. But And then I'm going to answer the, the final question. I know somebody asked about, you know, a, t- a tweet by Shannon Terry about uh, Nick Saban not tweeting, tr- you know, treating the local media like he does the national Look, man, I totally understand what Coach Saban was doing. Um, everybody had a, you know, a, a depth chart four hours before the first game. I mean, he's got a younger football team this year. A lot of guys trying to prove themselves. You don't want to give your opponent any insight. Plus, guy, it does create anxiety for guys when they start worrying about the depth chart. Uh, this this past week, Ty Simpson didn't have the greatest week of practice. But he knew going in where, where his where his place was, and he still did some good things in the game. I mean, look, you, you know, I don't think Nick Saban owes anyone anything. He, I'm sure he told Coach Hubert and all those guys what they needed to know on Thursday. A depth chart. I mean, here's the thing: Why isn't anybody talking about what Hugh Freeze said uh, an hour before Saban when he said, "I hate depth charts anyway." I mean, to me, it's just because it's Nick Saban. And people want to try to get some clicks and get some reaction because they say stuff about him. I mean, the local media, I mean, again, it, it is a tough job. But still, I, I thought it was an overreaction. 
I thought he gave them what they needed. And if you know how to listen to Nick Saban, he really tells you a lot of things. Okay. And I know, uh, you know, our great friend Cecil Hurd is no longer with us. He's been gone for a couple years now. But Cecil Hurd always had great insight. He always had the bat phone that he could call. Uh, he always did a great job. And he never complained about that kind of thing. I just, I think it's a total overreaction. And to me, I just think, you know, that, that he, he, and he goes on some rants every now and then. But most of the time he's talking to his football team. Because I've talked to players about that. They've already heard it. It's calculated. And again, I don't think he mistreats anyone because I know he was very close to Cecil. Uh, so again, I think I just think that's people trying to create a, a story to create headlines because anytime you can have Nick Saban in the headline or him going on a rant, it makes national news. So I just think it's a total overreaction. I don't really, uh, you know, I don't agree with it. I think he was fine not giving the depth chart. The depth chart, hellfire, the depth chart we had. Uh, four hours before the game, had Terrence Ferguson as the freaking backup left guard. He didn't play a damn down to left guard. He played right guard. So it really don't mean a damn thing. It's just a piece of paper. Now, I sound like Coach Saban, but that's what it is. So, in other words, just understand the damn game, understand football, and then you won't have a problem, all right? Instead of trying to get clicks and make publicity for yourself, understand the game of football. That's all I'm saying. But And I'll just say this, too. Uh, it's going to be a big recruiting weekend as we're wrapping up the show. There was some good players in town like QB Reese, Quentin Reese's son from Ramsey, who I think is a linebacker Alabama is very interested in. He will be visited from Middle Tennessee. He'll probably be back next week. Uh, Ryan Williams will be back. All these cats. It's going to be a, a lot of recruiting news coming out. Hopefully we'll have some to talk about and hopefully a big Alabama win. Uh, but it's been really – this has been a fun show. Talking about can I, Drew, can I, yeah, can I slightly I push back on the Shannon Terry thing and not right. not to disagree. I, I, first off, if you, I, I think being mistreated is is a miss is a mischaracterization. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. think I just think I, I'm not taking a shot at Shannon. I'm saying anybody. I mean, I sure. just don't think he was mistreating the media in this case. I, I think it was just one of those things. He's doing what's best for his football team, and the players understand it. And I and I don't think he was disrespecting any of the media. He even apologized for it, but you have to understand that's the way he's handling this year's team, and every team is different. Well, my pushback is only that, um, and I know this is this is a very myopic view, so I'll get that out of the way. I didn't like it because it's fun to talk about. Now I realize he didn't do it because it drives people crazy because they talk about it, but to me it was just fun to talk about. I didn't see it as something disrespectful, and you know. Golly, if it's disrespectful for local media to Nick Saban, I can tell you, if you have been around the media, around the local media in Tuscaloosa since he came on board in 2006, there are a lot of those people that have gone on to absolutely enormous jobs. So if that is Nick Saban acting disrespectfully towards the media, Nick Saban, please act disrespectfully towards me. I'm asking you respectfully and kindly, and I'll just leave it at that. But please go ahead, Drew. No, I mean, I, I, I think we're on the same page. I mean, I just think it was an overreaction. But, um, you know, I, I'm really looking forward to the challenge this week and seeing how this team responds because there's been a lot of media people that are saying that Texas is going to win this game and, and win it big, uh, even in some cases. And, I don't think it'll be. I think it'll be a really good football game, but I think Alabama is going to be the one to pull away in the second half. I think Alabama is going to be much better defensively than they were a year ago. 
I think offensively, they certainly don't have Bryce Young. But really, honestly, the pieces around, I know they don't have Jameer Gibbs either, but I think, you know, they're better at tight end, even though Cam Latou has moved on. I think the receivers are a year better. Hopefully, we'll see after they get tested this time. Uh, but I think, and the offensive line is better. Just it's going to it's going to depend on the quarterback. If Jalen Milrow is poised and makes good decisions and can use his legs, then I think uh, that Alabama is going to win this game, win it impressively. <coughs> I think Tommy Rees has been in big games like this at Notre Dame. Kevin Steele, this this ain't nothing new. Uh, he's seen a better offense than this with Joe Burrow and LSU and slowed him down. So I, I'm just excited to see them take on the challenge and and hopefully move on and, and on to the next one, so to speak. So going to be exciting, no doubt about it. And uh, I uh, and you know I, I just think really uh, I, I, I I'm expecting Alabama to win the battle in the trenches. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be a deal where you're probably going to have to to win it latter part of the third quarter into the fourth. And I also think Alabama's kicking game could be better uh, than the Longhorns as well, William. Yeah, I do, and and like I said, we we talked about this. You know, is is one of my keys for this team. Um, you know, being a better team, um, you know, than they were last year. You know, do yourself a favor, and and watch the replay of last year's game before Saturday, and look at all of the pass interference penalties, the per fouls, the offsides, the illegal procedures, the delay of games that factored into Alabama's offense not converting a third down and Texas's offense being able to convert a third down and keep drives going because it was significant. It really was. And, William, as we close it down, too, I, I know you'll probably agree with me here. I know they didn't win. You kind of referenced uh, Coach Prime's uh, opening win with Colorado. But I was really happy for Trey Sanders and everything he's overcome from an injury standpoint and everything. Uh, he had three touchdowns, the first multi-touchdown game of his career for TCU. I hope he has a great last season. He stayed at Alabama and worked hard, got his degree, and came back. And Jeff Allen and that medical staff, they're going to have to do a great job this week, hopefully getting Malachi Key back, which I think they can. We'll see on Jihad. But, I mean – uh, Trey Sanders has overcome a ton. I mean, there wasn't even a, a certainty he would play after that car accident. And to see him play well yesterday was, I thought, really cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I think at certain points during uh, the aftermath of that wreck, I mean, I, I remember hearing some reports, I don't know how accurate they were, that, you know, that, that he had suffered, you know, a, a life-threatening injury. Yeah. Um, any anytime you get something, you know, around the, the pelvic region or in the femur, you know, you always, especially in a car accident, a lot of people die because their femoral artery gets severed. So um, that's that's always a very touch and go situation. But yeah, I that that was, um, I was happy for Trey Sanders, but I thought that was a pretty pretty special. Um, performance by Deion Sanders and the Colorado Buffaloes yesterday. I mean, his his son put on a – I mean, look, we, I think we can all, you know, collectively admit that TCU had no business being in the national championship game last year, and that was proven by what Georgia did to them. But that was still a quality football team and certainly a quality opponent for Colorado yesterday. And 
you know, for them to overcome all of the turmoil and the, you know, flipping up turnover in the roster and the coaching staff and, um, you know, where that program has been, um, you know, I just happened to look during the course of the game and, you know, the Colorado staff's already gotten a couple commitments from Los Angeles. They've gotten a couple commitments from the state of Georgia. And, you know, Drew, back in my teen years and early college years when Colorado's program, um, you know, was rocking and rolling, that, that's, that's what they had to do to become successful because it's just a barren wasteland for high school talent, you know, where their, where their university is situated. That was, I thought that was a pretty special moment yesterday uh, with, with what Dion was able to pull off, and I'm happy for him just as much as I am for Trey Sanders. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, I'll just say that in closing for me, and then if you guys have any closing comments, you could certainly make them. But again, I, I got, I, I thought Jalen Milrow to me was the MVP offensively. I thought he played exceptional football. Um, was really uh, happy to see the way he played and that, and with the poise and the, and the, and the playmaking ability. I really, was, I'm excited about Nye Black and his continued maturation and role he's going to have. And then defensively, to me, all, all the way, it was Deontay Lawson uh, running the show, playing Mike Linebacker, uh, playing so exceptionally well. And then, of course, Caleb Downs. I mean, eight tackles in his first game. You can't ask for much better effort than that. He was flying around. And then I really like Blackshire also as far as a guy under the radar uh, that may be getting better. I mean, no question about that that could be coming on. So, uh, some excited. That those are the guys that kind of stood out to me. Uh, Thomas, I'll give you the floor and give the, whatever your closing comments are. And then, if, William, if you got something to add, and we can wrap up another great edition of BAMS Radio. So, well, one thing I'm gonna I'm gonna plug this. We do have a Patreon now. Listen to us at uh, check us out at Patreon.com/slash/BAMSRadio. We'd appreciate it. Uh, if not, we're still gonna be around, still posting stuff out. But we appreciate y'all listening. Uh, the big thing about this team, uh, very impressive week one. Now it's time for a pressure test. And the older I get, the more I become a show-me person. I personally think Alabama will respond very well to this pressure test. But now it's time to put up or shut up. Uh, Texas has a really good roster, you know, external problems being what they are. This is a pressure test for this team. It's very early, and this team is still figuring itself out. So we're going to know right around midnight Saturday – what Alabama can do. If they respond well to this test, everything opens up a heck of a lot more, assuming health. And honestly, going into this game, I don't know how you could be any more excited because it's going to get real, real fun when Texas comes to town in a week, Drew. Yeah, it is. It's going to be a really fun game, no doubt about it. I think we're all looking forward to it. Uh, But uh, it's been a a fun discussion. Uh, I think the key is going to be the line of scrimmage. Can Alabama... Uh, you know, beat a good Texas team, uh, you know, uh, who, who thought they were much improved on the offensive line. We'll find out Saturday because, you know, Bama ain't Rice. I'm just going to – I think we all understand that. Uh, and, of course, I think Alabama understands that, that uh, the D-line is going to be the real deal from Texas in that front seven, so they got to be ready to play. But I think they've been looking forward to it. I think they know they didn't play their best game last year, and they've heard the coulda, shoulda, wouldas. Well, now instead of the coulda, shoulda, woulda, just put a piece of wood upside their head and then and beat them and show them who the best team is and that what they have in store for them coming to the SEC next year. But 
Really looking forward to this contest. Like we said, William said 31-17. I said 34-17. I think Thomas said 34-24. So we've all got Alabama uh, covering and taking a win against the Texas Longhorns. And we'll break it all down next Sunday. Uh, we appreciate everybody for the questions and for tuning in and for listening. And, of course, please check out our Patreon. Uh, but uh, really looking forward to the game next week inside what should be an electric Brian Denny Stadium. Everybody enjoy the rest of your Labor Day weekend. Got some great football tonight. Looking forward to Florida State uh, and uh, LSU. It's probably been my game I was looking forward to the most this weekend, aside from Alabama. Looking forward to watching that tonight. But everybody have a great rest of your Labor Day weekend. We'll talk to you next Sunday. Good night, everybody, and roll tide.